morning, church. Welcome to the Sunday service of FCC. Uh, I don't know how your week has gone. Was it a good week or was it a lousy week? But sometimes, I think as we all gather here, whether on-site or online, may we be able to calm our hearts and really treat this time as a special time where this is a sanctuary where we all come together to worship God and be in community with each other. A lot of times we feel that we need to get out of Singapore you know, in order to relax and just to find ourselves. So I'm hoping the FCC is also a space where we can, once we enter this space, we are also free to be ourselves and free to worship God together. So at this moment, let's prepare our hearts with a call to worship. Come, walk in green pastures. We follow, follow the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, lie down in green pastures. We, we trust, trust the, the shepherd. Come, dine at the table of abundance. We, we are, are fed, fed by, by the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, dwell in God's house. We live, live in, in the, the shepherd's, shepherd's care. care. Loving shepherd, you know our names. You care for us. When we face darkness and death, walk beside us. When we hunger for your love, fill us with your presence. When we are fearful, feed us at your table. May we, May we dwell, dwell in the house of goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. Now let us join the worship team together for a time of worshipping. To kingdom come, your faithfulness is unfailing. Those shadows turn and temper so, so you, O oh God, are unchanging. True every Alone, my portion. 
now come together in corporate prayer. God, indeed, great is your love for all of us, for all your creation in the world. But when we look around in the world, God, sometimes we miss seeing your love. Though uh, those of us in Singapore we live a relatively peaceful and prosperous life. And we look at what is happening around the world. And we feel that these things are so far away from us. The war in Ukraine, where families and lives are lost. We wonder what impact does it have on us. Until we know that the food supply is so... The chain is so badly broken that there are millions in the world starving because there's not enough food going around. When we look at the WHO declaring monkeypox as an international emergency, and we see the media attaching this to the MSM community, we wonder what has it got to do with us. But then we see the LGBTQ community tainted and looked at with a suspicious eye. We look at the global warming issue and we wonder what has it got to do with us, with icebergs melting, sea level rising, and as the temperature grows hotter and we hide ourselves in the comfort of our air-conditioned rooms, we wonder what has it got to do with us. But God, we know that all this, this entire world is your creation and we are a part of it. No matter we think what we think, that has got nothing to do with us. We know that as long as one of your beloved is suffering, we suffer along with them. God, we pray for compassionate heart in us, that we learn to see the world in us and us in the world, but most importantly, to see you in the world and the world in you, and to know that we are called, we are called to be your servant and your followers, to do your word on this earth, to be light, salt, hope, and in whatever small things we can do, may we learn to see you in all of us so that we may learn to love the world. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen.
Jesus. Jesus, beautiful Savior, God of all majesty, risen
Good morning, everyone. For those who I haven't had the chance to introduce myself yet, my name is Gary, and I want to first start by wishing you a very big welcome home. Whether you're joining us for the first time or you've been here many, many times, whether you're physically here in church or joining us live online right now or watching this sometime later in the week, wherever you are in the world, we are so grateful you have made this time to join us for a time of worship and hope that you'll be blessed by the receiving the ministry of the Word together and spending this time together with us. Today, we're going to be continuing on the sermon series that we started called Speaking Differently. And one way we can all contribute to today's sermon and learn from one another is through joining us on menti.com. So if you've got your phone handy, please take it out. And you've got three ways that you can join us this morning. One is you can go to the browser and go to menti.com and enter in today's code, which is 1077084. Or if you don't want to punch in any numbers, you can scan that QR code on the screen. Or just go and type fcc.la slash menti, and you'll be able to join today's menti session and contribute your thoughts anonymously to today's sermon. So, let's jump in, shall we? Let's begin our time together with a question. How is your heart for God right now? That's a really big question, isn't it? So making it a little bit easier, I would like you to, by proxy instead, rate how is the time that you spend with God? So my question is not asking you what you're doing for God, not asking you what ministry that you're serving in, not asking you all the things that you have accomplished for God. I'm asking you, do you seek God and how is your heart for God right now? Even as I ask these questions, they seem so basic, so simple. And as we take time to reflect on our journey, and as I take time to reflect on my own journey, I can honestly say that while I've been consistently committed to serving God in different ways, my time with God of late has been inconsistent at best and non-existent on most days. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not because I am deliberately being lazy. I mean, we all are very busy people. And it's tough to, for us to balance the work of ministry as well as our own daily work and all of the relationships that we have to maintain. And so I've been up nights doing the work of ministry, serving God, and indeed seeing God at work. But it's really frightening to me to see how I can be so busy doing God's ministry, but at the same time, to be far away from God. I wonder if you can resonate with that. And I thank God for God's mercy and grace in covering me and protecting me 
And I recognize how blessed I am, not because of the quality of my relationship with God, but in spite of it. And it looks like your responses are pretty similar. I am glad that we can be honest and know that in our community, that we aren't struggling alone. And indeed, in today's sermon, we're going to be building off last week's sermon where we looked at a similar situation where Martha's busyness strangled her from where she could not enjoy Jesus' company or savour Jesus' presence or find inspiration in her work or receive anything that Jesus had to offer her or reciprocate to Jesus in love. And just like her, our communion with God tends to be inconsistent or non-existent. Our communion with God is hurried. And the times where we find a moment to be still, our thoughts are quick to go to so many other things like Martha, but not God. Our affections and desires are not like Mary. They're drawn to so many other things than God. And if you're there right now, and even for the, so many of you whose hearts are healthy to God right now, I want to encourage you to guard yourself against the temptation to succumb to the systems and the values and expectations of others and end up manufacturing a heart for ministry and miss a heart for God. Some of you know that beyond FCC, I have been involved in mission work through Amplify and the work with leaders and churches in the region. And my realization is that without a heart for God, a heart for ministry cannot be sustained. And haven't we seen that even within our own church at FCC? Leaders are getting tired, burning out, unable to handle the demands and expectations they have on themselves and from others around them because we end up fragmented, strangled, and struggling to receive God's love and respond to God's heart. We cannot sustain our love for others while missing out our love for God. Friends, it is for God our hearts were created. It is in God our hearts find rest. And it's with God that our hearts know our value, our identity, and our purpose. So today, we're going to be continuing in our lectionary readings, looking at Luke 11. But before we get there, if we look back just a chapter before, I love how the themes of a heart for God and a heart for ministry are intertwined in this part of the narrative in Luke. In Luke 10, right before this, Jesus sends out, Jesus commissions the 72 to be on mission, to break in God's kingdom, to restore shalom. This same commission that you and I are called to as followers of Christ, as Jamie had beautifully prayed. And right after that, we see Jesus talk about the greatest commandment in the twin call to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and also to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that led us into two weeks ago where we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
this radical countercultural call to examine who our neighbor is and how we serve in ministry to other people. Right after that, we are reminded in Mary's example of what loving God looks like simply being with Jesus. Not busying ourselves, but simply sitting at Jesus' feet. Which then leads right into chapter 11, where we see the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now I wonder if you have thought about this request that's come from the disciples. It's an interesting request because these disciples were all Jewish men. They knew about prayer. They have grown up with prayers being offered throughout the day, before meals, at the beginning of the Sabbath, when they went to the synagogue. But they saw something different when they saw Jesus. They watched Jesus. They lived with Him. And it looked like His approach to prayer was different from what they had learned and had been taught and what they practiced. They saw how Jesus looked forward to prayer. They saw Him withdraw on His own to mountains and deserted places to pray, sometimes through the night, sometimes before important moments like ministering to a crowd or making important decisions like choosing the disciples. For Jesus, prayer was an important part of His life, even unto death. Prayer fed His soul like Food feeds our hunger. The disciples could see Jesus' authority, anointing, abilities that came out of his time they spent with God in prayer. And they wanted to learn how he prayed and how his prayers were different from how they prayed and their prayers. And what was Jesus' response to them? Jesus responded to them by teaching them a prayer that we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. Now, there are two versions of the Lord's Prayer that we can find in the Gospels. The longer version can be found in Matthew chapter 6 as part of the Sermon on the Mount. But today, we're going to be reading the Scripture passage together from Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1 to verse 13. So it says here that one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one on the inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't give up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, 
He surely gets up and gives you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give, give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So the Lord's Prayer is one of the first passages of Scripture that we learn to memorize as Christians, isn't it? Most of us know it by heart. The way I was taught to approach this text of the Lord's Prayer is as a structure of how we should pray, represented by the acronym ACTS. You begin with adoration, then you move on to confession, then thanksgiving, and then supplication. Most of the time, I will get the order mixed up. It's useful, this structure, but the question is, was that really Jesus' point? Remember that the disciples came from Jewish traditions and they all knew how to pray. They knew when to pray, what to pray about, and how to pray. But today, I want to show you how Jesus answers the disciples' request of how to pray by answering the question behind it of how to love God. Remember, we just talked about Martha and Mary and loving God. And in that, Jesus is answering the question behind how to love God, which is, who is the one that they are supposed to be loving on and praying to? So I want to show you this, especially in the light of what we have learned in the last two weeks leading up to today's sermon. And I hope that, like the disciples, we will all be reminded, and maybe for some of us even have a fresh revelation of who God is and the kind of communion that you and I have been created for, particularly if you are in a drier season, particularly if you find it difficult to seek God, and particularly if your time with God, like me, is inconsistent or non-existent. In Matthew 6, right before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what you have done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. What a statement. 
apparently, God knows what you need before you ask Him. So it seems that in prayer, God is not up in heaven with a notebook and a pen recording down our requests. Ah, I haven't thought about that. That's a good one. Thank you for mentioning this. Right, that's something of course you will need. No, God already knows what we all need, which causes some people to ask a very reasonable question. So what's the point of prayer? And as soon as you ask that question, you're on the verge of an incredible breakthrough in prayer because you realize that the primary purpose of prayer is not to go and get something from God, but to be with someone. And that changes everything. So there's a role for corporate prayer where two or three come together, but this passage of Scripture teaches us to go into our room, shut the door, pray in secret, and God will reward you. There is reward waiting. And that reward for us, at least part of it, is knowing God more intimately. When you want to know someone, when you want to know what they're like, whether you can depend on them, whether you can trust them, what kind of relationship they want to have with you, guess what? You need to spend time with them, isn't it? From this prayer that Jesus teaches, I want to show you the character of God that God reveals. And in it, my hope is that you will have a fresh revelation of who God is and see the reward in knowing God. So today, there's a lot of aspects that we can hit on, but I want to hit on seven aspects of God that Jesus reveals. And the first is, God is Father. This is how Jesus begins the prayer, saying, when you pray, say, Father. Now, I know in FCC, we try not to present a gendered version of God because the Bible is very patriarchal, isn't it? But for today, I want to keep with Father so you can see the text in its context. Because across the 39 books of the Old Testament, Father is used as a title for God only 15 times. And in those 15 times, none of those references are in the context of addressing God or praying to God. We don't see this picture at all in the Old Testament. But when we get to the Gospels, we have a completely different picture. Once you get to Matthew chapter 6, and just within the synoptic Gospels alone, Jesus refers to God as Father 156 times. And in 155 of those instances, Jesus uses Father for God when He's specifically teaching with the disciples who followed Jesus. So the picture that we have in the New Testament, right from the very beginning for Jesus' followers, is that we have the right and the honour and the privilege of calling God our Father, which was revolutionary for that time. You think of all of the pictures of God we see in the Old Testament. Sovereign, Creator, Lord, Yahweh, King. And Jesus says, on top of that, 
you can call God Father, Abba, Daddy. And that was a monumental shift in the revelation of who God is. One perspective that J.I. Packer shares in his book, Knowing God, is that he feels that the richest answer for him of who a Christian is, is one who knows God as Father. Packer says, if you want to know how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much that person makes the thought of being God's child. If this is not the thought that prompts one's worship, prayers, and a whole outlook on life, it means that one does not understand Christianity very well. Now, we've got a great congregation here in FCC at the moment, and if you're with someone and watching this online together, would you turn to one of your neighbours and say to them, you are a child of God. Now, would you turn to your other neighbour and say to them, you have access to God as Father. That's right, friends. You are a child of God and you have access to God as Father. And we can so easily miss this intimacy. I think about John Wesley. How many of you have heard of him? Yes, graduate of Oxford University, ordained by the Church of England, actively visited those in prison and the workhouses of London, distributed food to the, ch uh, to the children in the slums and the orphans, um, and spent time as a missionary in the US where he founded the Methodist Church. Yet, when he came back to England, he wrote in his journal, I who went to America to convert others was never myself converted to God. Then he said this statement in his journal, I had the faith of a servant, but never one of a son. Our communion with God begins by knowing God as Father, as our parent. Not some distant creator, not just the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but as Father. Let's move on. Number two, God is missional. God is missional. The next thing you see in this verse that Jesus asks in verse two is for God's name to be hallowed. To be hallowed doesn't mean to worship or praise God. It means it is a, actually a request for God to be worshipped or praised. So it doesn't mean, God, I worship you, but God, I want your name to be lifted up, to be praised, to be worshipped, to be exalted, to be glorified. Cause God, your name in the world to be praised because you are worthy of it. You are not just my father, you are the father of all. God calls all people to know you as their creator and as their parent. Calls all people to know that they are beautifully, wonderfully created in your image, in the image of the divine. And that's the spirit that drives our heart for ministry and for mission. And then Jesus asks, it's for God's kingdom to come. What is God's kingdom? 
What's God's kingdom? We have actually looked at this in other sermons, but God is on a mission. God has a purpose. And that purpose and that mission is to break in the coming of the reign of God or the one commonwealth of God, a restoration of the way things were intended, a restoration of our identity of who we are, a restoration of the relationships that we have with ourselves, with God, with one another, and with all of creation. That's how we solve the world's problems, by restoring shalom. And therefore, Scripture calls this a mission towards shalom, which is not just peace, but the fulfillment of things as they were originally intended. And that's what it means when God's name is being hallowed for this desire that God's mission be made real for shalom to be restored in the world. Then number three, God is dependable. God is dependable. The next part of the Lord's Prayer goes on to say, give us each day our daily bread. Jesus is not just talking about the bread we eat at mealtimes, but he's also reminding disciples of that time that the Jews always remember about how God provided manna to God's people in the Exodus, when they were in Exodus in the desert, and daily provided the food and the necessities that was required for that day. Now, for most of us in today's time, we don't pray, give us each day our daily bread. Because we know there's pretty much bread if we need it today. There's a global supply chain to make sure that we have bread anytime we want it. But as Jamie prayed, today there are many people around the world who, who for them, this is not a reality. We have got the blockade that's happening that in Ukraine where grain cannot be exported to where it is needed. And grain is fundamental for bread. And then if you take a step back and think about it, in the wider hierarchy of needs, prayer is a God in our lives that we can have what we need on our own. You see, our well-being is tied to the well-being of others. And prayer is a practice of gratitude that we can have our needs met only because God is dependable to provide the environment, the resources, and the people around us so that our base needs can be met. Especially in our generation, we need this reminder in this self-sufficient, self-centered culture that we live in. We need to be reminded daily that we are dependent on God's provision and God is dependable. And prayer is a guard against the pride of us thinking that we can sustain ourselves and not be dependent on others and dependent on God. So number three, God is dependable. Number four, God is merciful. Here he goes on to say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins. Prayer reminds us that the storehouse of God's grace and mercy is open 
and poured out for all. And God's mercies are new every morning. The more that we can see where we fall short of God's best for us and where we fall short in the way we interact with others and in the world around us, the more we can understand God's grace and mercy. The more we can forgive ourselves and therefore able to forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness is that first step to being able to move forward into new life, restored relationships, transformation of ourselves, and transformation of the world around us. So number four, God is merciful. Number five, the Lord's Prayer reveals also that God leads us. It says here, lead us not into temptation. God leads us, guides us, directs our steps with wisdom and strength. God's rod and staff that God provides us in situations that are not for our best. We are prone to wonder. We are prone to do things our own way. We are prone to create our own plans. But God wants to lead us to walk in God's best and God's will for us. So number five, God leads us. Number six, the Lord's Prayer reveals that God is approachable. And here I want to spend a little bit more time in this because this is a very unusual part of the scripture where we see Jesus pivot in his teaching from talking about a model prayer into a parable. Now, Jesus often talked, taught in parables. Parables, as you know, are simple, easy, remembered, relatable stories with a lot of symbolism that was very rich in meaning. And here we see a parable that Jesus is sharing of a situation that could easily happen in first century Palestine. Here we see a traveler spending all day traveling and finally gets to his destination and goes, gets to his friend's house and his friend doesn't have any food for him. Unfortunately, in first century Palestine, there wasn't any 24-hour supermarkets, no 7-Elevens, no eateries open for supper, no way to get food delivered through an app. So this traveler arrives at his friend's house at midnight and he's hungry because he's traveled the whole day and there's no food at his friend's home. And at the time, if you remember, hospitality is so huge and so important that his friend has a dilemma. One option is to be a poor host and not get him any food. And the second option is to find someone else who has got food at midnight. So it's either be a bad host or be a bad neighbour. And this friend chooses in the story what's behind door number two. So he goes to his neighbour at midnight and his neighbour is already fast asleep. But the story doesn't say it's not just him that's fast asleep. Everyone in the house is fast asleep. And houses in those days were pretty much one-room affairs when everybody slept in the same room and usually on one same big mat. So the family's asleep, everything is nice and quiet, and suddenly a knock comes at the door. And the guy on the outside says, Friend, 
which is actually a pretty good way to start considering you're waking someone up at midnight for some bread. Lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I have no food to offer him. You can imagine the scene. The person on the inside now is dealing with children that are now rousing from their sleep, including a two-year-old. They spent an hour trying to get down. And now this whole friend thing is now in question on a whole other level. Person inside, not happy right now, says in the most polite way possible, don't bother me. I'm not going to get up and give you anything. Then Jesus says something here very interesting. If you read the passage of Scripture, it says, in the parable it says, even though the guy won't get up, though the person inside is his friend, he will get up because the person is asking with shameless audacity. In other translations, this word is translated to bold persistence. So this person is so bold and so persistent that the person on the inside eventually gets up to give him whatever he needs. And here's the interesting thing about parables. We hear them and we think, okay, so someone in the story, in the parable is me, and someone in the story, in the parable is God. So I think I'm the guy on the outside knocking on the door. So who is God? The grumpy old guy on the inside yelling, don't bother me. That's weird. What's Luke 11 teaching about prayer? It says if you want something from God, then just keep banging on the door and eventually God will get up and do something for you. Not because God loves you, but because you're bothered God so much that He just wants to give it to you and just shut you up. So let's pray. Is that the point of the story? I don't think so. You see, the point of the story comes back to this idea of shameless audacity, this bold persistence. We can only understand the parable correctly, I think, if we look at it from the perspective that Jesus tells it, which is from the perspective of the person on the outside who is in need. For it is from that person's perspective that Jesus is telling the parable. And in this parable, Jesus phrases the whole thing as a question from the perspective of the person on the outside who is in need. Imagine if you were bold enough, shameless enough to go to your friend at midnight to ask them for a piece of bread. In other words, imagine a person with enough nerve to knock on their friend's door at midnight for bread. In a sense, the picture that Jesus seems to be painting is of a person who is just rude, who is just brash. You know one of those people who just doesn't seem to know where, which social lines to cross and which ones not to? You know that kind of person, right? Are you that kind of person? You probably don't realize it if you are, but anyway. The person on the outside doesn't seem to get the hint. You don't wake up your friend and their entire family at midnight unless you have a very, very important reason. The, peop the person either doesn't know that or doesn't care. He is shameless. He is bold. He's so socially out of it that he doesn't think it's a big deal to wake up his friend at midnight for a piece of bread. He won't mind. I know he's got some bread. He'll give me some bread in the middle of the night. He'll go get up and get some for me. No problem. And that, Jesus is saying, is how we should approach God. 
So we have a God who has got everything that we need, all authority. God is creator. God is sovereign. God has the power to speak creation into existence. And the beauty of the parable is the one who has all authority and everything we need is approachable. This person knew his friend was able to meet his needs, was shameless enough to think that his friend wouldn't mind him coming to him at an inopportune time. And it is this picture of this shameless guy that helps us realize that the God of the universe, who has all sovereignty, all authority over everything, is actually inviting you and me to come to God any day, any time, for anything. And this is a perfect illustration for us. I know God, you've got a few things going on right now. You're running the universe. You've got a lot to deal with. You're a lot of things you are looking at. But God, I've got some things on my heart that's going on in my life right now and I need you to give your attention to it. I've got some things, God, that I need to share with you that are heavy on my heart. That seems pretty bold, doesn't it? Pretty audacious, pretty over the top in the grand scheme of things. But that's just it. It isn't. The picture that Jesus is painting here of a shamelessness, a boldness, an almost inappropriate way to get into the presence of the God of all creation, but Jesus is saying, look, God is approachable. So be as bold, as shameless, as persistent as you want. How about thinking about it this way? Our Abba Father delights in revealing God's self to those who are bold enough to bother Him. The God of creation delights on being the one as God's children, to bother the God with the things that are heavy on our heart. In fact, it is a sign of a healthy relationship that we are going to God with our needs instead of going to someone else or something else. God delights in being the one we come to with the things that weigh on our hearts. Let us soak in, friends. The God of the universe is approachable to you. God has invited you to unburden your heart shamelessly before God. Nothing too big, nothing too small. And God delights in you when you do so. And Jesus isn't saying, don't bother God with the trivial things. In fact, He's saying the exact opposite. Sometimes I wonder, is the things that I pray about significant enough? But look at the story. This is not an emergency. It is not a life or death situation. It was the middle of the night and this person needed some biscuits. Would the guy have died if he just went to bed and waited till breakfast in the morning? If someone did that to me, I would say, go drink some water, go to bed, forget you're hungry, I'll feed you in the morning. But the beauty is that there is nothing too small for God. I remember the story in Nehemiah 
6, where Nehemiah was actually building the walls. And he prays to God, strengthen my hands. He looks to heaven and says, God, my hands hurt. Nothing too big, nothing too small. We're invited to pray about cancers. We're invited to pray about coals, mustard seeds and mountains. They all matter to God. And in verse 9, it says, our God says, ask, seek, knock. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. But let's be honest. This can be a little confusing because we've all prayed for things that God has not given to us, right? So is this scripture right? Which is what I love about where Jesus goes next. And the contrast that we have between, he talks about between earthly fathers and heavenly fathers. Which brings us to number seven. And what God reveals, Jesus reveals in the prayer and his teaching is that God is all good and all loving. All good and all loving. And he says here in verse 11, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The picture revealed for us to know God is to know that God is all good. God is all good. For those people who are parents in the room, whether you have human kids or fur kids, you try your best to be the best parent that you can be. But as humans, we are not perfect. We don't always do what is best for our kids. And Jesus here is saying, even imperfect parents who are not always good know how to give good gifts. But your Father in heaven, He is always good. He is always good. And when you ask for a fish, God is not going to give you snakes. When you ask for an egg, He's not going to give you a scorpion. But God is not just all good. God is also all wise and all loving. So much so that if you compare Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 7, the version in Matthew chapter 7 here you can see on the screen says that when you ask for good gifts, God will give good gifts to you. But in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 11, which we just read, it says that God will give you the Holy Spirit, which a part of me kind of prefers the Matthew chapter 7 version, because what if I wasn't asking for the Holy Spirit and I was asking for stuff over here? But that's what the beauty of what Jesus says. You are asking for wisdom in a situation, to get through a situation. God just doesn't just give you wisdom, he gives you the spirit of wisdom. You need advice and counsel in the situation. God doesn't just give you advice and counsel. He gives you the counselor. God loves us so much that God has given God's self to us by way of the Holy Spirit. 
how significant is that? Now, when you think about the longing for God's presence in the Old Testament by the people of God, you can remember this scene in Exodus 33 where Moses, in front of all of the people, goes into the tent to meet with God, to encounter God's presence. And the entire crowd watching Moses walk out of the tent into the tent as the cloud rests over the tent and thousands watching it because there's a man inside who is meeting with God. But in the light of Easter and Pentecost, we no longer have to watch Miak walk down the aisle in front of us into the Holy of Holies and the cloud come down on him and wait for him to meet with God. We each get to meet with God. Better still, you don't even need to go to the temple. You don't have to come to FCC to meet with God because now you are the temple which the Holy Spirit dwells in. God loves you so much. And I want to encourage you today with a picture that Jesus presents in His prayer of who God is and God's love for you. So the seven things that I think that the Lord's prayer reveals about God God is Father. God is missional. God is dependable. God is merciful. God leads us. God is approachable. And God is all good and all loving. I wonder, which is the picture of God that speaks most to you today? Which is the picture of God that speaks most to you today. I want to encourage you to take time to go into our room, close our doors, and bother our Abba Father, because that's how we love God. And you will experience the reward in knowing God. May your heart beat for God. May your communion be close with Him. May your intimacy be sweet with God. And I'm confident when your love for God rises, your ministry and, mission, and God's mission will flourish as the Holy Spirit gives you the authority, the anointing, the ability, and the animation to go into the world, to go into all of your relationships, to restore God's shalom for the hallowing of God's name. So as we close our time today, I want to invite us to a minute of silence. And in this minute of silence, I want to encourage you to pray and take a step of relating to God in a new way. For some of us, it will be learning to bother God and learning to unburden ourselves. And for others, it could be asking for the Holy Spirit to be given to you. And after a minute, I will close us in prayer before we enter a time of remembering God's love and friendship and God's heart for humanity as we celebrate the Holy Communion together. One minute. Are you ready? Let's open our hearts and draw close to God.
Abba God, thank you for the privilege of being your child. Help us to know you as worthy, as dependable, as merciful, as approachable, as all good and all loving. And in the process of knowing you, let your name be hallowed in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people say, Amen. Thank you, church. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's face transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. Ascribe to the Lord, Almighty One. Ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due God's name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of God's holiness. It, it is, is good, good to, to praise, praise the Lord and make, and make music, music to your, your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. For you, you make me glad, glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The Lord, is, the Lord is righteous in all God's way and loving towards all God has made. The Lord is near to all who call on God, to all who call on God in truth. This then is how you should pray. Our, Our Father, Father in heaven, heaven hallowed be your name. Your, your kingdom, kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give, Give us today our daily bread. bread. Forgive us, us our debts, as we also forgive forgiven our debtors. And lead us, us not into temptation, but deliver us from, from evil. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because there is one love, we who are many are one body, for we partake of the one love. The Lord Jesus, on the, na- on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I will now invite the stewards to distribute the elements. For those who are joining us at home, this will be a good time also to take your um, elements so that we can partake together. Um, For those who are joining us for the first time, um, please hold on to your elements so that we can partake it together after this.
Is this not the kind of communion the Lord has chosen? To loose the chain of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them. Then, then our, our light, light will break, break forth, forth like the dawn, like the dawn. And, and our, our healing, healing will quickly will appear. appear. Then, then our righteousness will go before us, and the and glory of the Lord will be our rear guard. guard. Then, then we'll call, and the Lord will answer. We'll cry for help, and God will say, Here am I. Let us state, let us eat and drink of this bread and wine, remembering the gift of salvation and the call to give ourselves to the needs of others. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of God who call us out of darkness into God's glorious light. We, we will praise you, O Lord, Lord among, among the, the nations. nations. We will we'll sing, sing of you among the peoples. peoples. For, For great, great is your love reaching to the heavens. heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Amen. Welcome once again to the Sunday service of FCC, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. I'd like to thank uh, Gary for his sermon. I'll say that I'll wake up hangry if I don't get bread in the middle of the night. Uh, but thank you for asking us to re-examine our relationship with God through the Lord's Prayer. I was actually uh, not in church for the past three weeks, uh, not due to COVID. But I have to say that not being in church uh, is a habit, you know. And being in church is also a habit. So just now when I was up here, my, actually, my watch actually alerted me that my heartbeat was above 120 BPM, even though I was not active. So I was like, oh no, okay. A bit, a bit kanchong here after not being in church for so long. But I think whether you know, we find ourselves uh, in church, serving in ministries or not, or just showing up on Sunday service, uh, our environment can affect us and really can... Uh, affect our thoughts. So it is important to come to church even though you may not find it important. And if you are in a habit of not coming to church, it, it will just continue like that. So I think for those people who have not been in FCC for a very long time or who have taken a break from church, 
uh, I do encourage you all to come back, uh, come for on-site service. It is indeed a different experience hearing voices during the worship service itself, uh, rather than just watching like a performance online. And if you have been coming to church regularly, just as a habit, I also like to invite us to actually re-examine our hearts and our intentions, that even as we come to this place, uh, let us just, you know, uh, dig deep and realize that what is the reason that we come to church for is to worship God, to be in community, and to really uh, make a difference in this world for what God calls us to be as a community. So thank you once again, and welcome to Sunday service of FCC. Now I'd like to welcome anyone new or think that they're new to FCC. You may actually uh, leave us your details at fcc.la/welcome. We have a newcomers meeting uh, every last Sunday of the month. This month, the newcomers meeting will be on 31st July, which is next Sunday after service. If you're interested to attend the newcomers meeting, it's a hybrid meeting, you may send an email to info at freecomchurch.org and someone will reach out to you and send you the link if you're unable to attend in person. Now we'd like to come to the giving segment of the service. You may give to the church. Uh, as you can see, the church tries to run a lot of uh, ministries now that uh, Singapore itself has opened up and we have a lot of different activities, etc. You may give by PayNow by scanning the above QR codes. One of the PayNow codes gives to the FCC General Fund and one gives to the FCC Building Fund. You may also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Please note that giving by credit card, there will be a 1.5% uh, service fee charged by the platform itself. So before we ask the stewards to come, if for those people on site who would like to give by dropping it into the offering bag, let us just uh, pray for all the gift. God, indeed, we thank you that... You are our Creator, our Lord, our Father, our Mother. That you are available and approachable to us at all times. No matter how big or small the issues in our life, we know that you love us and you care for us. And God, as we examine our relationship with you in our own personal journey with you, May we also examine our relationship with the community that as we give of our finance, as we give of our time, as we give of our effort, that we know that we are all giving in response to your love for us so that others may also experience your love. God, we lift up everything unto you and continue to pray for wisdom and guidance as we continue to serve in church and in the society as your disciple. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. May we invite the stewards to come and take up the offering. So if you'd like to give, you may just raise your hands. Uh, now we come to the announcement segments of the service. First announcement. Ta-da! Living Water at Lush 2022. Uh... The running of these groups for reconciling faith and sexuality has kind of like been interrupted because of COVID. Uh, we are beginning Living Water and Lush 2022 again. It should begin in July in theory, but uh, I think I might have to push back to August because uh, we are still uh, open for 
people to want to participate. So this is a very this is a time limited support group that will go through the clobber passages in the Bible talking about sexuality and how we can record. I mean how FCC views what the passages say. So if you are struggling, or if you know friends who are struggling, or even if you are not struggling and would like to help and to answer to people who come and question you about this clobber passages, you may sign up at fcc.la/lw2022. Uh, the sign up will be ending soon, so please uh, do sign up, and then we'll reach out to you via email about when to start. After church events. So, as I've mentioned, we have started a lot of after church events uh, since the Singapore has reopened due to COVID, to in order to build a stronger community together. We have already done one, which is the painting of the faith rock. Today we are doing the making of the prayer rope. Uh, the making of the prayer rope, the registration has already closed, and Keen, the organizer, would like to ask for help to set up the set up the church immediately after service. So there's also another event on 21st of August, which is Kim Jang Day, which is we are making kimchi. So if you'd like to know how to make kimchi, please sign up at fcc.la slash ACE in order uh, to take part in that event on 21st of August. TMART is back. TMART is a project that we have done to support the transgender community. Uh, we usually donate by giving them groceries and whatever they need. There are donation options such as group buy where you can consolidate and do the purchase on your behalf. So even if you just want to donate like a packet of Maggi Mee or one can of baked beans or anything, you can just uh, go to fcc.la slash t-mart to actually take part and see how you can donate. The closing date is 31st of July on a Sunday. Delivery date is 7th of August. So if you've got any questions, you may contact Wendy at 9248-9578. Next. In August is Singapore Nationals Day, but other than Singapore's Nationals Day, if you, don't, if you know the FCC's tagline, our FCC tagline is Welcome Home. So we want to say that Singapore's National Day will not just be celebrated by Singaporeans, but we would like to welcome everybody who calls Singapore their home. So regardless of whether you are citizens, PRs, EP holders, WP holders, SPAS holders, tourists, or you're just here, on the visit or anything, we would like to welcome you to have a lunch and post-lunch family time on 7 August, 12.30pm. But please do register at fcc.la slash lunch because if not, we cannot prepare food for you and then you won't feel, like, you won't feel at home la, when, when, when others are eating and then you're not eating. So we would like to welcome you and ask you to join. Sign up fcc.la slash lunch. Uh, in conjunction with the National Day and in conjunction with calling Singapore your home and FCC your home. Next, the production ministry. The production ministry needs a lot of hands on deck. Please do come and volunteer. Uh, I was away for three weeks, so I took a break. So the, the, the pressure fell onto fewer shoulders. And it is indeed quite pressurizing to make sure that the service can go out online uh, safe and sound. So if you'd like to join the production ministry, whether is it as a sound person, as a camera person, as a visual person, as a producer person, and as a uh, doing up the announcements person, anything you think that you can volunteer at, okay? If, if you have a heart for it, please send an email at info at freecomchurch.org and then we'll reach out to you and we'll uh, let you see what, what the behind-the-scenes tour is like of, the, of trying to send out this service online 
every Sunday. So today, there's Lunch Kakis. Lunch Kakis is an initiative by the FCC Welcome Team. Today's Lunch Kaki participant, not participant, Lunch Kaki leaders are Ange, who is up in the hive, please wave, and Chua. Where's Chua? Please wave your hand. Okay, Lunch Kakis is an initiative for you that if you're uncomfortable having lunch alone, which I don't understand why, <laughs> you'll be so peaceful. But anyway, if you're uncomfortable having lunch alone and would like somebody to accompany you to have lunch, please just stay back after service, reach out to Chua, reach out to Ange, okay? And then they'll accompany you to the coffee shop for lunch. And it's also a good time for you to, you know, know some people around so that next time you can just find another person to be your lunch kaki. Or even you can volunteer to be a lunch kaki yourself so that you can welcome people to church. Okay, last but not least, now I'd like to invite... I would like to invite, I would like to invite Pastor Miak to come and give blessings to the July babies. We are very blessed as a community. We journey together. We journey together in times of storms. Like one just went past, you know, now it's bright and sunny. And we journey together also to celebrate, to celebrate our lives and celebrate how God has blessed each one of us. And especially this time, we would like to pray for our um, July babies. And some of you might not be on, on that. We got, get this information from membership role. And some people will add it on uh, from their cell leaders or friend, uh, who are in the leadership group. Um, and I would like to pray for you. Um, and even those of you who may not be on this list, who's celebrating your birthday this month, um, this prayer is for you. Will you join me in prayer? God, we are made to be in relationship with one another. We are made to be part of a larger, something bigger than ourselves. We are part of a community. And we want to pray for each of these siblings we want to celebrate with them their lives. We also walk with them through the storms in their lives that will surely come. And to be with them and let them know that storms don't last. And it is this time that we celebrate each of them and how each of them uniquely, wonderfully bless our community and bless the world with what you have gifted them, their individual personalities, their gifts, what they bring to this community and to this world. God, may you continue to strengthen them in the work they are called to do, in their lives, so that they can be joyful witnesses to your love. God, we give thanks for your presence in their lives. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have reached the end of um, the service. I would like to invite you to stand up and receive the benediction. One thing that came to my mind um, when Gary was preaching um, that we are asked to be shamelessly knocking on the door, asking, 
Have you ever wondered? What if God was the one shamelessly knocking on our doors? Shamelessly pursuing us. Even the times when we close our hearts. Even the times that we refuse to listen. What if God is knocking on our door and asking for that bread for that person who's hungry, asking for us to participate in the justice in the world, the change that needs to be done, to speak up with the, for the voiceless, to stand up as allies. What if God is relentlessly pursuing us, knocking on that door? The times that you might have stepped away, the times that you might have turned your back and go like, I may not need you, I don't want to listen, God. Or, Maybe I'm, I feel so alone. I, what if God is constantly, constantly knocking on the door of our hearts? Will you open that door? Would you say yes? So know that God will love you always. God is constantly pursuing you even when you think that you are not worthy. It is not because of how good you are that God loves you. It is because of how good God is that God loves you. And that is what you need to carry and what you need to know. So open that door so you might live to be a witness to that love that is radical, that love that knows no boundaries, that love that will transform you and transform the world. So go in the name of Christ, the risen one, the one who proclaims the love of God always. Go in peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Look, for, um, look forward to seeing you again next week and have a great week ahead.